How's everybody doing today? Good to see you guys. Uh, my, name is, uh, my name is Mike Bro, and it's a privilege to get to come here to the crossing as always and, and get to participate in this. Man, wasn't that, a, wasn't that a great song they just did? That was really, that was, that was awesome. It's really a thrill for me to, to be here, especially in the middle of a series where we're talking about how we really believe that God can heal our homes, that God can make any relationship thrive if we are humble enough to fight uh, for those relationships. Now, I'm sure by now, I mean, you've seen those uh, uh, most interesting man in the world commercials, right? Where they make this outlandish claim about this suave and cool guy, like uh, he bowls overhand. His mother has a tattoo that says, son. He can pop a wheelie on a unicycle. If he slaps you on the back, you would list it on your resume. Sharks have a week dedicated to him, and on and on it goes. But today I want to talk to what I believe are really the most interesting men in the world. I'm talking about the men of the crossing, right? And I want to talk primarily to guys today, kind of unapologetic. So women of the crossing, I just want to say to you, you're welcome. Actually, I want to say to you, you can't check out during this talk. You can't, you can't sit here thinking over the next few minutes, oh, I hope so-and-so is listening to this, because we're going to talk about things today that I'm confident that God is going to use in everybody's life, because this stuff applies across the board. But i got to be honest, I was really excited when Shane asked me to tackle the topic in this series of Fight Like a Man. I was excited for a couple of reasons. First of all, I am one. And secondly, I just think that every guy here needs to know that God sees amazing potential in you. And I don't think you hear that enough. And I know, as a guy, if we will embrace God's plan for our life, if you and I would allow him to put us on the potter's wheel and to shape us and mold us and chisel us into the kind of men that he wants for us to be, men who will fight like a man for our families, men who will fight against injustice, men who will fight for the underdog, fight for those who cannot fight for themselves, men who will move through our days with integrity and honesty and courage and kindness and gentleness and tenderness and boldness and faith and love. I know that a lot gets right in our families and a lot gets right in our neighborhoods and a lot gets right in our community and a lot gets right in our church, a lot gets right in our world. So I just want every man to know today there is so much potential for greatness. I'm talking greatness for every single one of us. Now, personally, it took me quite a while uh, to see that reality. I grew up uh, always feeling a little less than, feeling inadequate. How many of you were like me and you were the smallest kid in your class every single grade? That was me. I was the littlest guy in my class every single grade. Anybody else like me used to get fired up to go to an amusement park only to encounter that sign that said, you know the sign I'm talking about, you must be this tall. I thought I'll never be that tall, you know. Uh, growing up, I played all kinds of sports. I still love it. I uh, had a blast playing, playing sports, being involved in athletics all my life. I, I got a lot of great memories. I always felt like I was an integral part of the team. I was on some really good teams, but I was never like the, the superstar kid. I was always like the, the littlest guy, so I had to make up for it with hustle and toughness and stuff like that. But on, in, on the inside, I always felt like inadequate against all these other guys that I saw like as giants. You ever felt like that? Like a, like a little guy and everybody else is huge. And not only, not only was I short, 
uh, I was super skinny, too, and I was weak, too. My freshman year of college, I got to play basketball at a small school, and we had these uh, white home uniforms, kind of with, with the short shorts. I'm glad those are gone. And we wore the ta- tall tube socks. You pull up your knees. And I had my knees wrapped also because I had some knee problems. And I had this mop of hair. I looked like a Q-tip. I was so skinny. That's what I looked like. Everybody called me Q. Before the Avenger movie came out, this guy was the subject of a television show that I would watch every Friday night as a kid. I would dream of one day turning into the, to the Hulk, man, with rippling biceps and triceps and pecs and lats and all that stuff and a screaming six-pack. But the reality was I was looking more and more like another guy on Friday night television. Yeah, Steve Urkel. I, I wanted to be a tough guy, man. I wanted to be... I wanted to be ripped and rugged. I, I, wanted to be, I wanted to be like a man of courage. So as a little kid, I don't know any of, any of the rest of you guys had a, had a fetish like this. I wanted to be a cowboy. I thought cowboys, when I was a kid, were like the coolest people on the planet. I loved all things Wild West. Now, at the risk of dating myself, I grew up idolizing Marshall Matt Dillon of Gunsmoke. He ruled Dodge City. I'm not sure he had, he had something going on with Miss Kitty. We're not sure what he had going on. Because he was too cool to admit that he loved her, you know. He was, he was tall, he was brave, he was strong, he was fast with a gun. I wanted to be Marshall Dillon. But as I grew a little older, I felt like Matt Dillon was a little bit soft. So I began looking for someone with an outdoor face. Someone a little more weathered, a little more craggy, looked tough enough to spit nails. And about that time, a stranger rode into town. <laughs> and no one knew where he came from or what his name was. He was just a stranger. He was good and bad and ugly all at the same time. And he had like three lines in every movie, but you didn't care. You didn't want to mess with Clint Eastwood. And then came the Earp Brothers with Doc Holliday, and they served up Justice in Tombstone. I thought they were so cool. They had a famous shootout at the OK Corral. I just thought cowboys were like the coolest people ever. Like John Wayne's Oscar-winning portrayal of Rooster Cogburn in the movie called True Grit. And then they remade it several years ago with Jeff Bridges playing the crazy old marshal who gets his heart stolen by this little girl, but not stolen enough to take away his true grit. And, and I guess that's what it's really always been for me. I, I think more than just like a fan of cowboys, I, I think I was, I've always been a fan of, of grit. Because I've always liked to work hard. I've always liked to get real, real dirty. You've heard of Dirty Jobs with Mike Rowe, right? You ever heard of Dirtier Jobs with Mike Bro? Yeah, that's a new, new series coming out. We just moved to Southern California, actually. And I've been rehabbing a 50-year-old house. And uh, nothing in this house worked, not, not one thing in this house worked. So we took it down to the studs. It's been a lot of hard work. I've been working on it since October, but I love it, man. I love getting my hands dirty. Um, I, I love when, I'm, when, I'm, when I end the day just covered in sawdust. I think, man, that's, that's a good day. And I, and I think my initial love for all that stuff came from my eighth grade shop class. I had a shop teacher in industrial arts who looked like he wrote in from a Clint Eastwood movie. <laughs> He was one of the bad guys, too. He looked like he had a tough life, outdoor face, steely eyes. And in this very unique uh, Kentucky accent, that's where, I, that's where I grew up, he would teach us about how to use the planer, how to use a drill press, how to use the lathe, all those different uh, tools. And I remember the day he kind of gave us the sandpaper talk. He goes, boys, this right here is your 220 grit. This is what you use after you get your project done. You get your first coat of shellac on it. 
He called it shellac, shellac, that's what he called it. He goes, and you sand it down and make it smooth and presentable. Before you get there, though, you got you to use... Your 150 grit right here. It's your 150 grit. You use that right before you put your varnish on your project. This is, <laughs> I can't believe I'm talking like this. This is your 120 grit. This is what you use once you get it built. But this right here, boys, this is the tough stuff. This is 60 grit right here. This is the stuff that plows through the rough stuff. And now as I, I think back on all of it, I think that's, what I've always wanted to become. I've always wanted to become a 60 grit kind of guy. More than a rugged, ripped, manly kind of man, I want to be the kind of man that plows through the rough stuff, don't you? I want to be the kind of man that fights for his kids. I want to be the kind of man that chases after God. I want to be the kind of man that just makes life smoother. For other people. I want to be the kind of man that doesn't give up easily, but just makes, makes a difference, an eternal difference with his one and only life. Because guys, that's, that's true grit. You ever been at the gym and, and you, you got your, you know, like your 50 pound, dump, your 15 pound dumbbells and you're, 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 you're doing, the, you know, you're, you're curling and you're, you're looking in the mirror, you're thinking, dang, I am ripped. And then this huge dude comes up next to you and he picks up like hundred pound dumbbells and you're going, man, I'm ripped off. <laughs> Here's the deal. You and I can push up and pull up and pump up. We can be incredibly strong men on the outside and have a tragically weak character on the inside. You and I can be ripped and rugged and still lack true grit. So let me give you a little formula today that's really helped me. Here it is. G plus R equals IT. I will write that down. G plus R equals IT. Now, as you can see, the formula uses the letters for grit, and you're thinking, wow, bro, you're a, you're a genius communicator. But I'm a slow learner, and I just need simple stuff, and this might help you remember as well. So let me just give you the result side of the equation first. Here it is. G plus R equals internal toughness. Internal toughness. So if you want to develop internal toughness, I'm not talking about that external, weathered, cowboy, incredible, hog, dirty jobs, UFC, cage match kind of toughness. I'm talking about true grit, the stuff that happens on the inside of a man. I'm talking about character. If you want to become like a 60 grit kind of man, you want to become a 60 grit kind of woman, here's how you get it. The G stands for grace. Grace. That's where it starts. Getting a firm grip on the grace of God for your life. Embracing the radical, relentless love of God for you is where it all starts. That's the stuff of 60 grit men. You know, the Bible is full of gritty guys. You got Abraham, you got Noah, you got Joseph, Moses, Joshua, Caleb, Daniel, David, Gideon, uh, Nehemiah, Elijah, you got John the Baptist, Peter. I mean, guys who just had grit. I'm talking internal toughness. And one of the grittiest guys, I'm talking a 60-grit guy, is a guy named Paul. He was formerly known as Saul of Tarsus when he was externally tough. He powered up on people all the time, and people greatly feared him. But then he encountered the grace of God, and he was radically changed from the inside out and developed an internal toughness. And Jesus chose him to spread the good news of God's love all over the known world. And man, would he ever need 
that internal toughness. This guy would go through so much, but he had the ability to plow through some rough stuff in his life. Now, he had lots of opposition. There were false teachers always trying to discredit him and saying that he was a phony, and they were posting negative stuff about him, you know, tweeting stuff on Twitter and making up stuff on Instagram, whatever they had back then. And I always love the way he kind of goes on a rant in, in a letter he wrote to a church in, in Corinth. He kind of says, are you kidding me? Look what he says. He goes, come on, I have worked harder. I've been in prison more often. I've been whipped times without number. I've faced death again and again. I mean, five different times. The Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was, I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas. I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. I have worked hard and long and during many sleepless nights. I have been hungry and thirsty and often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Warm. Now, obviously, Paul was in student ministry, uh, but, he, but here's a guy, here's a guy who had like been through hell for his faith and his commitment to Jesus, but he had, but through God's grace, he had developed this true grit. Later on in the same letter, he talks about how he had prayed to God for some painful stuff he was struggling with, and he wrote how God would always answer back this way. He said, each time God would say, my grace is all you need. Because my power works best in weakness. So now I'm just glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. So guys, I think God is trying to say to you and me, you want to develop internal toughness? Then my grace is all you need. Because when you know, when you know that you are deeply loved and you are treasured by your creator, when you know that you have been chosen and set apart and uniquely gifted with enormous potential, it changes everything in your life. I mean, you, you can have those times when you kind of feel inadequate, but even during those times, you can live in the truth of who you really are, that you are a much-loved, uniquely gifted, high, highly valued man. You are a treasured child of the Most High God. I say it all the time, but I, I see a lot of men, and women for that matter, always striving to become something. They already are. Accept it. I don't know, maybe you never lived up to the expectations of your dad or your mom. Or maybe, maybe you've been chasing that elusive, you know, attaboy all your life, running full speed after approval, after applause, after significance, after acceptance, because you just don't know who you are. You don't know the love of God for you. There's an obscure little verse of scripture tucked away in John 21 that's had a staggering effect on my life. It's really an obscure little verse. It just says this. It says, and Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. Now, here's what's profound about that verse to me. Does anybody know who was known as the disciple whom Jesus loved? A guy named John. Anybody know who wrote John 21? John. I think it's kind of cool. John could have said, I'm John, the associate pastor of Jesus. I'm John. The... No, he just said, I'm just a guy that Jesus loves. And listen to me, man, your past does not define you. What the culture says does not define you. Your success does not 
define you. Your failure does not define you. Your position or your title does not define you. Your bank account does not define you. Your looks, your, your bench press reps, your handyman, your fishing, or your fire building skills. None of that defines who you are. The grace of God defines you. You are just a guy that Jesus loves. You are a man with God-given potential for greatness. You are a treasured child of the Most High God, created in his image to live for his purposes. Let that be enough. My daughter Jody, who comes here from time to time, uh, struggled with this for a while. And she wrote a little piece about her journey. And this is how she wrote it down. She says, I've wanted to be in to be in the in crowd, in the loop, in the know, among the proud, not left out, but to be allowed to be in. I've wanted to be in, wear clothes that are in style, a trendsetter and versatile, just the right cut and the perfect smile. I have wanted to be in. To be looked at as someone who has much, all the in music on my iPod touch, on the latest and greatest stuff and such, I have, I have wanted to be in. But I have felt aggravated frustrated, unappreciated, slated as someone who's underrated, unimportant, unknown, unseen, average, mediocre routine, beneath, below, beyond a chance, inconsequential, insignificant. But Jesus liked people like me, took notice of a blind man and made him see, saw a locked up kid and set him free, told little Zacchaeus, come out of that tree. Felt it when a desperate woman touched his cloak, knelt beside a dead girl, and up she woke. Hung out with a down and out and broke, offered hope to the forgotten with just the words that he spoke. Touched a man with leprosy who others would mock. Touched the mouths of the mutant once they could talk. Forgave a woman at a well who was the laughingstock. Came to lowly shepherds who smelled like their flock. In the company of sinners is where he would eat, defend an adulterer, made her accusers retreat, made followers out of men who were crooked cheats, let the tears of a prostitute anoint his feet, and suddenly, dramatically, miraculously, undeniably, they were in, in his story, in his truth, in his grace, in his purpose, in his eyes, someone great. And I have wanted to be in. And since the day I met with him, he took all that I had been, all my fear, my shame, my sin. He changed my life by letting me in. Our God is greater than the past that drowned me, stronger than those chains that bound me, higher than the shame that found me. There is no one like him, none like him. I want you to see something else that that gritty guy Paul wrote. He says this in Colossians chapter 1. He says, in giving joyful thanks to the Father who has, catch this, qualified you to share in the inheritance of his people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. I think that's so cool because he's saying when we didn't, when we didn't qualify for heaven, God qualified us. God says, through Jesus, guess what? You are in. You came up short. I qualified you. I know you're not tall enough, big enough, good enough to ride the ride, but you get to anyway because I choose you. I love you. My buddy Gordon is a 60-grit guy. He's one of my best friends in the world. Now, on the surface, you wouldn't look at him and say, that's a gritty guy. He's the most preppy guy I know. Instead of riding in on the 
on a horse from the desert plains. He looked like he rode in on a golf cart from Pebble Beach. He's a neat freak, and he's OCD with his clothes in his car. He loves to shop. He can't fix anything that's broken in his house. His favorite movie, guess what it is? The Notebook. His second favorite movie is A Walk to Remember. He's even got the Mandy Moore soundtrack. I'm going, come on, dude. He brought, he brought two cigars on a vacation we went on to celebrate Debbie and my anniversary. He got so sick smoking, he couldn't get out of bed the next day. Uh, he's a good athlete, but apart from his athletic ability, on the surface, you would not think, now there's a gritty guy right there. But there are very few people I know with as much internal toughness as Gordon. In fact, the only reason I'm able to tease him and tell you guys this stuff, he didn't care. He laughs at himself all the time because he's just secure in who he is. And that's amazing considering when he was a kid, his dad bailed on him, had an affair and took off. His mom became an alcoholic, a raging kind. So he jumped from house to house all through junior high and high school, living with different friends. But he refused to go through his life like so many do, playing the victim. And years ago, he discovered God's grace. And every day he puts himself in a position to drink from the overflow of God's love in his life. And as a result, he is one amazing guy. He's one of the toughest guys I know. High character, great leader, strong resolve to do the right thing, not afraid to have a tough conversation, not, not afraid to make a hard call, constantly encourages other people. He serves the poor. He stands up for the underdog. He loves his wife. He loves his kids. He loves his friends and, and the notebook. But it's when he began to embrace the grace of God, his life started changing. When he really realized that there was a father in heaven that loved him with an unconditional love, it started to change his life. And one of his life verses, as well as one of mine, again, written by this gritty guy named Paul, is Ephesians chapter 3, verse 18 and following, where Paul prays, I pray that you would have the power to understand or to grasp, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it's too great to fully understand. Then, then you'll be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. You want to develop an internal toughness? You want to be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God? You want some true grit? It starts when you finally embrace God's wide and high and deep and long love for you. So the formula looks like this. Grace plus R equals internal toughness. Now let me give you the R for the equation. The R stands for reliance. Reliance. Now to feel inadequate is one thing. To admit that you actually are is quite another but I have learned, and I know a bunch of you here have learned as well, there is power in powerlessness. I don't know who originally said this, but I've had it in the margin of my Bible for a long, long time. The greatness of a man is in direct proportion to the measure of his surrender. The greatness of a man, the greatness of a woman is in direct proportion to the measure of their surrender. When you and I finally humble ourselves, and we come to God and say, God, I need your help to become a good man. God, I need your help to become a good husband. I need your help to become a good dad. When we humble ourselves and say, God, I need your help to become a good wife, a good parent, a good kid, a good friend, a good leader. God, I can't kick this habit on my own. 
I can't live this life in my own feeble willpower. I need to rely on a higher power than mine. I need the strength of the everlasting God surging through my veins. Oh, God, I surrender to you. That's when God starts developing true grit within us. The greatness of a man is in direct proportion to the measure of his surrender. Check out another thing this gritty guy named Paul wrote from a damp, dirty prison cell. He wrote this, Philippians 4.13, kind of a famous verse. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. He says, you want to know the secret of my life? You want to know the secret of my peace and my joy and my contentment? You want to know the secret of my internal toughness? I've embraced the grace of God for my life and I rely upon his power. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Paul also wrote this in Ephesians 1.19. I love this. He says, also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. He's saying, man, if God can blow the rock off of a tomb and give life to a dead man, he can work in your life too. And that power is available to every single one of us. So why would we go through life choosing to do it on our own? Why wouldn't we drop our pride and put our ego on the shelf and say, God, you got to help me. I want to rely on a better strength and a better wisdom and a better grace and a better power every day of my life. The greatness of a man, the greatness of a woman is in direct proportion to their measure of surrender. I got a buddy named Keith. He's developing into a 60-grit kind of guy. He's always been kind of a tough guy on the outside, but he's been through so much in his life. And over the past three years, he's surrendered his life to Jesus Christ. And, man, I, I haven't seen too many people with a more radical transformation than Keith. And uh, he called me up the other day. He goes, bro, i got to tell you what just happened to me, man. He goes, I, I'm building a house, as you know, and I, and I, I went down to check on the progress, and he's Big old construction guys are trying to set this beam, and they're like one guy short. So I walk up, they go, hey, man, come here and help us. For, give us a hand. So I help them set this beam in, in place, and then we got talking. They go, hey, man, have you ever, you ever taken that test online where you answer some questions, you figure out what kind of spirit animal lives in you? Keith goes, I don't know what you're talking about. He goes, yeah, man, we took the test, and I'm a lion. The other guy goes, I'm a tiger. The other guy goes, I'm a polar bear. He goes, you ought to take it, man. He goes, I don't believe in that stuff. He goes, well, this is for fun. He goes, all right, I'll take it. He says, I, go, I went home and I took it. He goes, I got online to answer questions. He goes, bro, you know, you know what animal I am? I'm a butterfly. <laughs> he goes, man, I had to go back and tell those tough guys with all the cool animal names, I'm a butterfly. He goes, but I got thinking, it's a chance for me to tell my story. He goes, yeah, I'm a butterfly. You know what? That's exactly who I am because about three years ago, I mean, most of my life, I was this caterpillar crawling through the mud of the world. And I finally got to a point where I just had to stop. And I had to surrender to the, to the grace and the power of Jesus Christ. And he did this remarkable thing called metamorphosis in me. And he changed me into this high-flying, multicolored butterfly. I go, man, that is incredibly cool, dude, because that's what's happened in his life. He's understanding how there is power in powerlessness. Gil Martinez has been a boxer most of his life. And surrender, as you know, is not in the vocabulary of most guys that step into the ring. But a few weeks ago, Gil 
took a dive, so to speak, and has found that to be the key to his brand new life. Uh, my name is Gil Martinez. I'm a boxing coach here in Las Vegas. I've been attending the crossing for about a year and a half. You know, as a kid, I was a you know pretty troubled kid. Um, not the best situation at home, which uh, kind of made me start looking for a way out. Um, I started boxing when I was 10 years old. You know, when I was about 15, um, you know, I fell into a life of crime, doing things that I shouldn't have been doing, hanging around with the wrong crowd. You know, met some guys that were a few years older than me that um, you know took me under their wing and uh, but not in the right direction. A couple years later, I was able to pull myself away from a situation that most people don't walk away from. Uh, then, you know, I uh, decided to go back to boxing because um, that's what I, that was my dream, that was what I wanted to do. That was the way out for me, you know. Then I was in a car accident when I was 19, um, which put a stop to my dreams. When I did wake up, um, I was pretty mad at the world because I felt like the one thing that I wanted was taken away from me. Became pretty depressed and, you know, pretty, I was mad at the world and everybody in it. So since it wasn't for me, um, you know, uh, and I felt, you know, that there's a lot of other people that wanted to, you know, had the same dream as me. So, so I became a boxing coach. I have an amateur program here. I've trained professional fighters. You know, I've trained Randy Couture, Gray Maynard, Jay Haran, Mike Pyle, Vitor Belfort. I mean, some of the best athletes in the world. And um, I also have an amateur program for kids, um, you know, underprivileged kids. These kids remind me of myself, you know. They have no money, you know, very poor families. And, you know, I, so I dedicate my time to them. I, I have a certain amount of hours that I dedicate per day just to train them. There's a saying that I say to the kids and every fighter that I train, you know, this sport is very demanding and very hard and not just anybody can do it. But as a man, I think it's even harder to maybe face what we've done and um, I think we need to. I've been wanting to get baptized for a long time. It just never felt right. Um, for some reason or another, you know. Sometimes I just, I, I didn't know if I was deserving of it. I didn't know if I was really truly forgiven for my past. Sometimes I kind of felt like a hypocrite, you know. Everything that I did in the past and now I'm here asking for forgiveness. I, I just never did it until Easter. Every feeling that I had before that, um, it just wasn't there. Like the feeling of not being worthy or um, not being forgiven, everything that stopped me before, it just wasn't there. And so I made a decision to go ahead and, and get baptized, and that's, it's one of the best decisions I've ever made. So, you know, I just want to say to all the guys out there, you know, um, you know, put that shield down, you know, sometimes, sometimes we do have to tap and, uh, you know, tap out and, and let somebody else take over. 
and who better than God to, you know, lead us and take over and, and what better follow, what better person to follow than, than God. Bible tells us if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. New creation. The old is gone. New has come. And it's so cool how Gil is now moving through his life, embracing God's grace and relying on a power greater than himself. He knows this is how the equation works. It's grace plus reliance equals internal toughness. Here's the deal. I, I'm, I may never rope and ride. I may never have a weathered face or have a shootout at the OK Corral. I may never look like the Incredible Hulk or have a P90X body. I may never be the arm wrestling champ of my local bar. I may never get into ultimate fighting. I may never ride a Harley. I may never risk my life fishing for crabs in the northern Atlantic. Even though I am tall enough now, I still don't like roller coasters. <laughs> but God, through his grace and his power, been doing something inside of me, a different kind of toughness, an internal kind of toughness, and make no mistake about it, I'm, I'm still a big-time project, but God's been doing some deep character stuff inside of me, and he wants to do it in you, too. He wants to turn you into a 60-grit person, where you can plow through the rough stuff with endurance and confidence and peace and joy and humility and self-control. Give the resolve and the passion and the power that you cannot manufacture on your own. The greatness of a man, the greatness of a woman is directly proportionate to their measure of surrender. So I want to invite you today to surrender to the grace and the power of God and be a really tough guy. A really tough gal. Let's, let's pray for a moment. Father, I just want to thank you so much <clears throat> for the way you move into our life upon our invitation. And that's all you're waiting for. You pursue us with this relentless passion and love. And the moment we say, okay, God, I surrender to your love and your leadership, you start to do things on the inside of us. And before we know it, you've done this metamorphosis in our life and you've turned us into something we never dreamed we'd be. God, I thank you for every man in this place. I pray that today they will not walk away not knowing that they are deeply loved and that you see great potential in them for greatness. I thank you for every woman in this place as well, God. I pray that they would know the same thing, that they are a treasured child of the Most High God. Father, thank you so much for loving us the way you do. Thanks for developing stuff on the inside that lasts. I pray it all in Jesus' name, amen. The next few moments, we're going to spend some time just reflecting upon God's grace and his power in our life. <clears throat> you know, God proved his love for us. 2,000 years ago when Jesus laid down his life. You talk about a gritty guy. 
He's the example of grit. No one took his life from him. He laid it down. It takes a strong man to do that. And he did it because he wants to live forever with us. Give us eternal life. So for the next few moments, we'll have a little piece of bread and a cup of juice that signifies the body and the blood of Jesus, which was given for us. So let's take that today and let's do it with great gratitude.